welcome back to another episode of Living Through a Pandemic. I hope you all had a wonderful weekend and are excited for the new week to have begun. Before wasting any time, let's get started with our new episode for this week. And that's going to be discussing why people keep using the terminology flatten the curve. Now, for some of you, this might actually be old news if you've been keeping up with all the updates regarding COVID-19. But for a lot of us, this is the very explanation that we've needed to justify why social distancing is so important for us right now and to offer some more clarity about the phrase itself and why we've been using it so much, especially in the news. So as efforts to stop the spread of COVID-19 escalate around the world, attention has been turned to how individuals and communities can protect each other. The illness, like we've mentioned before, is caused by a newly discovered coronavirus, and it's actually made its way across to every continent other than Antarctica. So the advice from health authorities has been constant. Wash your hands and don't touch your face. But recently, much more stringent measures are being recommended by medical health officials, and a lot of these include things like social distancing, restricting mass gatherings, um, shelter-at-home lockdowns, national lockdowns, and then attempts to flatten the curve. But what exactly does that mean? So if you've heard the term flatten the curve actually in the past, then you've also probably seen the graphs that are associated with it um, that are shown so availably on social media. But for those of us that haven't seen it, essentially the graph contains two curves. And this graph has been adapted from the CDC's pre-pandemic guidance for mitigating the spread of infectious disease, which was most recently revised in 2017 and actually shows the epidemic curve um, of two different pandemic scenarios, depending on what approach we take. So the sharp curve is one that denotes how a pandemic caused by an infectious disease like COVID-19 would spread if no intervention strategies were in place. So without mitigating the spread, cases would rapidly spread um, and they would rise rapidly, peaking when the community is almost wholly infected before dropping back down. Now, the second curve, though, is much flatter and actually denotes a pandemic scenario where there's been intervention so that not everyone is having the disease over the same time period and rather over a longer time frame. What's most notable with the flattening the curve idea that's been introduced during COVID-19 is actually the addition of a single dash to line, which denotes the capacity of our public health systems. And why this is so important is because it shows what to what extent we can be having cases, but that people will be saved because our health officials and hospitals can take care of things like that. And so the difference between the two curves isn't necessarily how many cases that we'll be seeing. Um, it's very likely that we'll have less cases if they occur over a greater amount of time, but that isn't necessarily the objective. It's more so that if we have the resources available to help everyone as they take place over a greater time frame, then we'll be able to save a lot more lives and bring the fatality or mortality rate a lot lower. Now, at present, many graphs in the countries like United States, Italy, Australia, um, are showing rapid growth in confirmed positive cases. And their epidemic curves are actually looking like a mixture of the two because there are a few uh, preventive measures in some of these areas, but a lot of it is still looking like the red curve because we haven't enforced something extremely strict like a national lockdown yet. And so this is something that could actually overburden the critical systems if it happens for too long. Now, health authorities and governments are actually adopting strategies, though, that will make sure that we're going to try 
and approach that blue curve again, because flattening the curve is essentially the idea that communities and countries can delay the peak of an outbreak and relieve some of the stress on the healthcare system by intervening early in an epidemic to limit the spread of an infection. And this not only reduces the number of cases that we can present at one time, but it also reduces the number of cases at the peak of the epidemic, which will make sure that we save as many lives and people as possible. So by doing so, we're reducing the load on the healthcare system and we're ensuring that it isn't overwhelming to the health authorities or local doctors and things like that. So as the epidemic curves show, intervention is critical in responding to a pandemic because it drives the number of cases down and frees up healthcare system to deal with an outbreak. Now, the mitigation strategy that the CDC recommends actually includes two major reasons, um, with one being that it's important to protect individuals at increased risk for severe illnesses like older adults or persons of any age with underlying health conditions. And then to B, ensure the safety of healthcare and critical infrastructure works for resources. Um, because this responsibility for slowing the disease down isn't just for those that are extra vulnerable. Um, it's more so for a wider community. And it's important that we save the resources that our doctors and nurses need in hospitals to save the patients that do need more support instead of spreading it so consistently that we won't even have that opportunity. And so all that governments and hospitals are asking right now is that people change their behaviors to prevent a spike in cases that would send admissions to hospitals skyrocketing and stretch the resources we have extremely thin. This is why healthcare services have actually been encouraging this because they have limited number of healthcare workers such as nurses and doctors, right? And they have a limited number of beds and they have a limited number of specialist equipment like ventilators. And if we don't flatten the curve, then we won't be able to have those resources available for everyone that needs them. Whereas by flattening the curve, healthcare workers and the available infrastructure is given more time to cope with the number of patients that are actually being confronted with it. And so these resources are going to be critical in combating any extensive outbreaks. We've already seen the consequences of not flattening the curve fast enough in places like Italy and the United States alone. Um, where hospitals are becoming slightly overwhelmed, although it's near not anywhere to the extent where it can be if we don't encourage preventive measurements in the very near future. And so we just kind of need to avoid that reality by making some shifts in our behavior in the short term. No matter where you are in the world, everyone fulfills a role to respond to the COVID-19 outbreak and it's extremely important that everyone keeps these pieces of advice in mind um, of washing your hands for at least 20 seconds with soapy water and avoiding to touch your face, eyes, mouth, and nose. Because just doing those things alone will really help a lot of the community out. And now that more stringent protective measures are being required, um, the early response by governments as industry has been telling the community that this is important, that we need to encourage this, and that it's something that has to be done. And so the U.S. has announced closures across the nation, and many industries have actually been shaken by the coronavirus. But it's for good reason, because it's going to be saving lives in the long run. And so such efforts attempt to aid the practice of social distancing, the idea of um, reducing close contact with people that have had either exposure to someone with the virus or just has might be exposed to it um, and to prevent this disease from spreading through a community. And so 
The information that you're receiving depends on where you are in the world, but it's important to refer to the relevant local health authorities for how to best maintain social distancing practices and to understand that even if you're young and healthy and may not be severely affected by COVID-19, you should reduce contact with others to make sure that you're not spreading it on as a carrier to the more vulnerable populations. And while some of these measures might seem extreme to a lot of people, they are actually backed by hard data that has shown that social distancing has helped save lives in the past, most notably during the 1918 flu pandemic. And so the lessons that we've learned from that pandemic over a century ago are just as important today. And so we're hoping that you'll join us in staying safe, not only ourselves, but also for those around us to make sure that we protect their health. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Thank you.